Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Recently, we focused on Cancer Awareness Month. There are many, many different kinds and many different breakthroughs and support services out there. Now, one particular one we're looking at today is called retinoblastoma, which affects the eyes. Now, to tell us a little bit more about the condition and the charity, the Childhood Eye Cancer Trust, I'm joined by Amanda Moore. Amanda, thank you for uh, for being with us today. Thank you, Alan. So tell me a little bit first of all about the condition, because this is something which has directly affected you and your family. That's right. Retinoblastoma, or RB as it's known, is a very rare and very fast-growing type of eye cancer that affects babies and young children predominantly under the age of six. Approximately one child a week is diagnosed with RB, and unfortunately my daughter was one of those children at the age of 11 months. There was no family history of it. There are two types of RB. Effectively, there's the inherited form and then there's the non-inherited form. Typically, around about 45% of children have the inherited form, so there's probably an indication from family history that the child might have it. But approximately two-thirds of children have what's known as unilateral retinoblastoma, which is where one eye is affected. And that's typically, like in my daughter's case, just a spontaneous one-off, don't know why it's happened, just a faulty gene. This isn't a very common condition, as you say, Amanda. So what were the first signs that there was a problem? When I was putting her to bed at night time, I'd notice a white reflection in her eye, a bit like a cat's eye. But it wasn't the whole time, so it was very difficult to actually say there was one particular thing, and I thought, Mm-mm, need to go down to the GP. It was something that was sporadic, but it kept happening. So I happened to mention it to the health visitor, and she said, oh, it could be the start of a squint, get it checked out by the GP. So I went along to see my GP a couple of days later. When I was with the GP, he initially said, she's blind in that eye. And the next message I heard was that there was a blockage, And the next thing I knew, he'd arranged for us to go and see a consultant the next day. And we were basically going through a process to find out what the problem was. And unfortunately, it was RB. When you got the diagnosis, that must have been quite a shock. Oh, complete disbelief. Just couldn't believe it. Because I thought I was just going potentially to hear that she may have a squint. Because she had this white reflection in her eye, I thought, oh, is there a problem with her eye? And she had one of these baby mobile things, and I used to have her looking at it, and both eyes would be moving. So I thought, well, obviously, they're both fine, because they're both moving. So it was complete disbelief, and couldn't understand how she was blind in that eye, and how was I going to get the sight back? But then, obviously, as the discussion went on, I realized it was more serious than just her being blind, and that potentially there was a blockage, i.e. cancer in the eye. That was, as you say, quite a shocking moment to, yeah. to discover this. And we don't often think about cancer and the eye no. as, as a potential issue there. So what were they saying would be the next step in treating that or dealing with it? I think at the time, the GP probably gave me a lot of information. And when we went to see the consultant, we were given more information. But it's just so difficult to take this all in because you're in a state of complete, as I said, disbelief, scared and frightened that effectively a process was then driven so from the GP we were referred through to a consultant who was obviously a consultant specializing in this field locally who then referred us through to at the time it was Sparks but it's now the Royal London Hospital to be seen by a specialist in the retinoblastoma field he then once she was anesthetized and he was able to actually look into her eye in more detail he actually confirmed that it was unfortunately retinoblastoma 
and the only course of action was to have her eye removed in order to remove the cancer. So at each stage you think, oh, it can't get any worse. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately it seemed it was getting worse, but obviously once the eye was removed, the cancer was removed, and thank goodness that was the end of the cancer. And it was just a question really of getting used to living with a partially sighted child and also one who had an artificial eye that needed ongoing maintenance. Was there a danger that if untreated it could spread to the yes. other eye? Yes. Unfortunately, if the condition isn't treated, it can lead to the optic nerve and unfortunately lead to the brain and potentially lead to, obviously, the death of a child. Your daughter's now 16 years old. Um, what's it like for her then? Does she just carry on as normal, no difference? I think when she was a baby, obviously at the age of 11 months, her brain was getting used to the fact of having only one eye. So she was probably getting used to the idea before we even knew about it because she was obviously growing, only having one eye. But as the years have gone by, obviously there are various issues for her spatial awareness, getting used to having that blind side. And that's really where the Child's Eye Cancer Trust has hugely helped because unfortunately there's obviously phenomenal medical support within the UK for this condition. But once the treatment is and the operation is over with, then you're effectively left on your own. But obviously there were the emotional and other physical and practical details of growing up being partially sighted and having an artificial eye. So things like her artificial eye used to be very gunky and she used to fiddle with it a lot and that obviously led to other children then looking at her at it. So problems like that at school, being aware of it, at school, playing around the playground, knocking into other children, falling off chairs at school. And the Childhood Eye Cancer Support were a huge helpline for us in terms of getting advice and support and guidance, what to do in these situations. And actually, at each stage of her progression, nursery school, primary school, secondary school, they've always been there to support us. You know, you don't feel on your own anymore. You feel that there is a network out there, there is a safety net to help you. Just little examples of that. With her artificial eye, she had to have an operation when she was about eight which meant that she had to have her artificial eye removed and her socket was lying empty for a while, so she had to wear a patch over it. And the child and eye cancer support were able to put us in contact with a company that made funky eye patches. So that was quite groovy, her going to school with this different eye patch mm. on each day, um, which sort of helped in terms of explaining it to other children and making it realise that it wasn't sort of something to be scared about. It was actually something that was helping her and making her better. And then when she was at secondary school doing sport, they gave me advice on buying some goggles for her, protective goggles for her eyes, which she wasn't very keen on wearing because she was going to be the odd one out. But it transpired that quite a few other girls then wanted to wear them because they were concerned when they were playing competitions about their eyes getting damaged. So now it's actually a policy within their school that they have to wear protective eyewear when they're playing sports. So... There have been various hurdles, but the huge advantage of the Child's Eye Cancer Trust is that they've been there to support us on each way, and I know they still will be there as um, she's growing up still and dealing with things like driving lessons looming. I know there's help and guidance there. Some great practical support Mm. then for for your daughter. Um, And also, crucially, support for the parents as well. You touched on the emotional side of things. You know, that that initial diagnosis, you know, it's a minefield. You don't know where to turn, what's going to happen. Exactly. That feeling of being useless, actually, Alan, I think. As a parent, particularly as the the primary giver, I'm the mum who's with her most of the time, 
I just didn't know what to offer of support to give sometimes. And it was just helpful to have another person to speak to about it, to get reassurance, to point you in the right direction, where to go, etc. As I said earlier, it can be a very lonely position being a parent of a child, particularly when they're younger and they can't articulate or communicate how they're feeling, but you just know that there is an issue there. We're obviously very much more aware of retinoblastoma now and you know the, the charity's work has been invaluable for, for mm. you as a parent and your daughter. I mean, it should be a, a first stop. Do you, do you think that the, the medical profession is now more aware of this? Do you think they're better prepared now to guide people to organisations like CHECT when these things occur? I think because of the work that CHET does, the Chartered Eye Cancer Trust, part of our mission is actually to raise the awareness among health professionals and the public of the condition because early diagnosis is actually crucial to saving a child's eye and potentially saving their life. So there is raising awareness going on amongst the health professionals through the work that we do. And I happened to be in a hospital the other day in a paediatric unit and happened to see the Chartered Eye Cancer Trust poster up talking about the reflective eye. So I thought, well, hopefully the message is getting out because, albeit 16 years ago, there was nothing known about it as such. And it is now in the red book. I don't know if it's still called a red book that mums have when the baby's born and the health visitor goes around and has all these various checks. But it's actually in there now, so it is something that can be looked for. Fantastic. Um, just finally, Amanda, if people would like to learn more about the condition and mm. indeed the work of the trust, how do they get in touch? Yes, the Childhood Eye Cancer Trust is based at the Royal London Hospital and the address of which is the Whitechapel Road and that's London E11BB and most importantly the telephone number for the Childhood Eye Cancer Trust is 0207 377 5578 and there's always a friendly voice at the end of the phone to help with any inquiries but if you're not up to phoning there's also a website which is www.chect.org.uk. Amanda, best of luck to yourself and Victoria, and thank you for telling us your story on RNIB Connect Radio. Thank you very much for your time today, Alan. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.